So thank you for being unified with us, only believe in prayer. You know, in the various books in the New Testament, Paul agonizes over the churches that have been planted, especially the ones he can't go back and visit. Over and over again, he's always hoping to exhort them, encourage them, and train them where needed. His greatest desire is for a godly people who exemplified Christ through very specific ways. He repeats himself with various words through various books in the New Testament, but it's always the same intent. He says to the leaders and to all the believers in 2 Timothy 2 to pursue righteous living, a morally right lifestyle, to pursue faithfulness, being true to the facts. Over and over again, he tells them, remember what you were told the first time about Christ? Don't change. Don't change what you believe. He tells them to pursue love, to continually build up their intense affection for one another, but also for Christ, and to pursue peace. He asked them to pursue this peace where they weren't fighting over words and where they weren't in arguments about choices and lifestyles, that there would be no war within their community. Over and over again, he says, remove yourself from empty words, vain arguments, worthless things, because these fights over non-important philosophies and beliefs and words, they can lead to ruin to those who are listening. As a church, I ask you to consider tonight what ruin actually means. It means physical destruction. So when we see pictures of a city that's been bombed, we often say that buildings in ruins. There might be a piece of it or it might be leveled, but it's completely ruined and you can't see what was. It's no longer there. So Paul says a person's life and belief in Christ could be destroyed by simply listening to arguments that aren't pointing to Christ. I'm sure we can infer that those who are doing the arguing, they could also be led, be led to ruin. I often wonder, as I was reading this this week, are we saying things as a group, as a body of believers around the world, but here in Bakken's, that could lead to ruining another's hope in Christ? In verse 16, he says that worthless and foolish talk leads to more godless behavior. And that just means a behavior that's void, an action that's void of God. In these directives, he lays a basis for the body or church. But then he goes further in 2 Timothy 2.24. And he says, this is what a servant of the Lord, the Most High, must not do and must do. Remember, a servant can be the greatest leader. This is what Christ showed us. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. <laughs> right there, I was like, that's hard. Next, he says, they must be able to teach. That's even harder. And lastly, he says, a servant of the Lord must be patient with difficult people in case they would turn and they would come to Christ. This is no doubt the hardest of these three. We're all servants of the Lord here and around the globe. And this scripture is applicable to all the sheep. But some sheep are called to be pastors. And those sheep that are called to be pastors are publicly held under a magnifying glass to see what their servanthood looks like. A pastor is simply a helper or feeder of something. And in this case, people. So they are a shepherd. I think we all know but there's so many studies about sheep, the animals, but they are pretty much worthless in helping themselves. They can be in the perfect environment of life, and they could die because they need a shepherd just like we do. Paul lays out these comprehensively, he lays out comprehensively the traits 
for all believers who are following Christ. But he becomes specific with the situations that no doubt occur over and over again for a pastor. Sometimes these things might seem impossible. I mean, I look at our pastorship here and I think that's, I'm, I'm so glad I'm not a pastor. I can't imagine <laughs> Pastor Tim. But Paul keeps this moving forward. When Pastor Tim is like, Paul, through the scripture in Christ Jesus, keeps us moving forward and he moves forward to one thing. The aim after salvation is always love. We are bound together with ties of love. Paul, in the scripture, was one very lost human. But he eventually was called to shepherdhood. And he says here that what ties all the sheep together, the church and the pastors in love. And this is in Colossians 2. He says to let your roots grow down deep in Christ. And I want to remind you right now that the love of Christ for you, particularly at the end of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, where you have crucified your flesh over and over and over again. I saw today the Lord loves every one of you, but you are binding yourself to these people. You're binding yourselves to the leadership here at the church in love. And when that happens... You're starting to show something of Christ. In the scripture in Colossians 2, it says, let your, love, your roots grow down deep. Now remember, roots and a plant, I love plants. Roots and a plant, they grow down to provide nutrients, but also stability. So that in drought, the plant doesn't fall. But in great growth, the plant also doesn't fall. Growth and stability come from your roots. And you might have rotten roots from a childhood you had no control over or from choices you've made. But in Christ Jesus, your roots are covered. Your roots are changed. And now they're growing down deep through the salvation we have. It says next to let your lives be built upon Christ. It's your foundation, much like a house where every level matters. The level from when I was 16 directly impacts the level now at the age I'm at. And then he says, your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And I would add the word in our conversation today with suddenly. Because when I'm going through a situation and I'm walking through this process, I don't see any change. But Pastor Nicole, who's watching from the side, she starts to see, oh, I see the roots are growing. I see the foundations being laid. And I see her faith changing. When suddenly I'm at the end of the situation and I say, oh. Pastor Nicole, guess what? And she's like, baby, I saw it the whole time. So from the outside, we need mentors and we need friends who say yes and no so that we know if our faith, they can encourage and they can say, your faith has grown stronger because it's growing stronger, Paul says, in the truth that you were taught, which goes right back to the first thing that we were taught according to scripture. Don't stray from it. Do not stray then he says, you will overflow with thankfulness. And this is my word, actually, for the year. I thought that was kind of funny when I was reading this. Because, as we all know from the other day, I'm a person who normally sees the glass as half empty. Okay, And so thankfulness is like, woo, beyond the wall in those situations when it's half empty. But as I've kept this word before me, and it's only 21 days into the year, I am choosing to change my heart and my attitude to make them rest on something that Paul says you will overflow. So I put my name in it. Hannah, you will overflow 
with thankfulness because your roots have grown down. You're laying a foundation and your faith is growing strong in what you've been taught. You're holding on to that which was the first foundation. How does our growth like a plant in this verse impact everybody else around us? People here and the people who you see every day at work. Simple. We continue to follow Christ. That's all that we are supposed to do is to continue to follow Christ. And people are magnetized to that because we don't lose our faithfulness as believers. Our right living, our peace, and most importantly, we hold on to love, that which binds us all together. So today, our focus in prayer, corporately and individually, is for the prayer cards, is for yourselves and your situations, but is also for our pastors of all the campuses, as well as our body of believers, our church here today. So I ask you, are you following biblical directives for your roots, your foundation, the growth of your faith? And do you have a thankful heart? Because I'll tell you what, last year, mm -mm, Hannah's heart was pretty far behind the wall in thankfulness, but it's going to change because the scripture will never prove void in your life. So I want to remind you, Jesus loves you. And that's not something I would stand up here and say without the truth of the scripture and knowing that you have been so committed to following Christ, to be here again on day 19. So as we go into one more worship song before our individual prayer, I ask you to ask the Lord, what do my roots look like? What does my lifestyle look like? Am I a servant of the Lord?
you're never gonna let me down And you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me
Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in
you tonight for our last 10 minutes. So you're welcome to walk around, sit, lay on the floor. But if you have a Bible, I ask you to follow along with me and pray Psalm 91. And I ask you this because as you pray it out loud, put in your name, put in your family's name, put in the church's name, put in the leadership's name, but pray this out loud with me. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, Father, I thank you that our pastoral leadership lives in the shelter of the Most High, that daily they come and they sit in your presence, daily they read the scripture. I thank you that daily they live in the shelter, that place that is built specifically for those who come to find you, that our pastoral ship will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, that they find rest when they come in, that they lay down what is heavy and they take on the yoke that is light. I thank you for lifting them up in the shadow of the Almighty God, where the Father God who loves, who loves that you would just take those parts of the hearts that are heavy and you would start to bind them back together in love. The things that are fractured in our pastoral heart from pain, from sorrow, from hardship, I ask that those would be mended by the love of Jesus Christ, that every time they come into the shelter in the shadow of the Almighty, Father, that things begin to change and they walk out different. Father, I declare this about the Lord, that you alone are our refuge. You are our place of safety. You are our God and we trust you. So, Father, for our church at Only Believe, I declare that you alone are our refuge. We run to you. We hide in you. You are our place of safety. When we run and we hide, you have an answer. Every time the scripture will prevail, every time you will step in and you will say, I am still God. I am still your Father. I thank you that you alone are our God. We alone trust in you as a church at Only Believe, Father, because we remember which you've rescued us from. You have rescued us from every trap. We remember what you have done. We call to our remembrance, and when we come and we find shelter, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you like in Revelations 4, where the holy ones, they cry out day and night, night and day. We cry that out as we come into the secret place. We say right now, holy, holy, holy is the almighty God who was and is and is to come. We believe when we come into the shelter and we find refuge in the shadow that you are, you were, and you will be. It never changes. You protect our church from every deadly disease. Father God, be that health disease, be that spiritual disease, be that emotional disease, or be that just simply life. You protect us from every disease, Father. We call out the diseases that we know of right now in people's lives and maybe our own. We call them out. We name them. I rebuke you, cancer. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity that is trying to plague. We rebuke the spirit of death. We rebuke the spirit of lies. Father, we rebuke the spirits that are deadly, every one of them, and we call them and we command them by Jesus' blood to be out. We throw them at the foot of the cross. Father, we believe that you 
cover our family with your feathers, with your wings. And in your wings, we will find shelter. Our family will. Your faithful promises, they stay. They are armor. They are our protection. So right now, Father, I thank you that you cover my children. You shelter them. You keep them from childhood trauma. You keep them from childhood drama, Father God, that you protect them from my own faults and my own failures. Father, that by the blood of Jesus, you come into my children's lives and you take that which could be tending towards death and you lift it up through the goodness and the promise and the purpose that you have for our children. Your faithful promises, they are our armor as a body of Christ. Father, they, they we take them up for protection. We remember your promises. We remember your promises that are in the scripture that you've spoken to us individually. We remember them right now. We call them forth. Church, I want you to call forth the promises he has given you, the scriptures you meditate on. Yes, we thank you, Father, for those promises. Thank you that you meet us every time we come. That, Father, we hear you. Our hearts call, hear you say, come and talk to me. And we say, we are here. We will come. We will talk with you. Father, I thank you that we as a body are not afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. We do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And most importantly, though a thousand fall, with ten thousand die around us, that evils do not touch us. These specific evils that you listed here. Father, I thank you as a body of believers that only believe. I thank you for what you promised 40 years ago is still the same today. I thank you. The foundation we have received promises in Christ of what will not shake our faith or change the direction towards Christ, that they are still true. And I ask that you remind us of them right now. We thank you as we find shelter and we rest in you. Deadly diseases, evils, they do not touch us. Father, I thank you we open our eyes and we see how the wicked are punished. That we do not hide just waiting for you to come back, Lord Jesus. But we are open, our eyes are open looking who we can reach, who we can touch. Father, I think of my neighbors think of my family members who don't know you. Father, I ask right now that our eyes would be open, church. Call out those people that you see, that you know, that you want to talk to, but you're scared, that you want to talk to, but they have been mean to you. Right now, I thank you, Jesus, through the power of love that binds us together, that our eyes will be open, open, and we will see how the wicked are punished, that we will be able to be a difference to the people who are falling away from Christ or who are, or choose not to know you, that our lives will show the difference of what it means to know Christ. The Lord says in verse 14 that I will rescue those who love me. Father, let us be a people who want your presence. Let us be a people who love more than anything else. A day in your courts that it's better than a thousand elsewhere. Let us love who you are. Let us love your precepts. Let us love your decrees. Let us eat the word like it is truly the manna from heaven, Father. You will protect those who trust in your name. 
We decree that our church trusts in your name, that our pastoral leadership, they trust in your name. No matter what, they will stay the course that you have spoken into their lives, and they will see the fruition of your promises. Father, when we call on you, you will answer. Father, we ask right now for situations that are personally in our lives that you answer. Church, to see the situations that you have been believing for, the situations that have been like that for 40 years. Father, we're still calling. We're still believing that the word will never return void, that you will do what you have promised. You will be with us in trouble. You will rescue and you will honor us. God, it just looks like you taking us out of the pit <laughs> and you bringing honor, which means that we're not ashamed, that our faces will not be ashamed, but they will be radiant with joy as we look to you, that you have rescued us. I thank you that you have rescued those in our families, those who have fallen away from believing in Christ and have left only believe. I ask that you would rescue those people now, that you will rescue them and you will be with them in the trouble they are in for not being in relationship with Christ as they tend to hell, that you would rescue them, that our church is a rescuing church and that those people would be brought back into relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, you say that you will reward those who love you. You will reward them with a long life. So Father, right now I rebuke any decree or declaration of death on people's lives in this church as a group, we speak no in the name of Jesus. And we say you will live and you will not die. That marriages, relationships will not be broken. They will be renewed. They will be restored. And there will be a testimony of what God has done. Father, you said you will reward us with a long life. And you will give them your salvation. So right now for these last 20 seconds, I ask you, church, to thank him for saving your soul. I thank you, Father God, that you have redeemed me from the thank you father thank you we cry holy 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 and we can cry that because you have redeemed us from the pit thank you jesus thank you jesus for your love we honor you tonight hallelujah amen church thank you we will see you tomorrow night at six drive safe it's a little foggy out there and be blessed